so what we're going to talk about is um, uh, certain phenomena we've been looking at uh, with respect to pronoun interpretation in the second language, where considerable work has been done on first language acquisition of the issue that we're going to look at, um, and much less on second language acquisition, and we're going to draw certain parallels um, and also um, end up with some definitely speculations on what the implications might be for language teaching. So um, the uh, <clears throat> phenomenon that we're going to be talking about um, involves the so-called binding principles. We're actually going to concentrate on binding principle B. But uh, just to remind you, if you look at sentence one, Mary thought that Susan liked herself, a reflexive pronoun like herself, must um, uh, have an antecedent, must refer to something uh, basically within the same, locally, within the same clause. Whereas in two, Mary says that Susan likes her, uh, the pronoun her cannot have a local antecedent. So uh, this sentence cannot mean that um, Susan likes herself, it, she has to like somebody else, Mary in this case. Um, now, it's uh, well known in first language acquisition that uh, first child first language learners of English and it turns out uh, other languages um, are uh, quite good, quite young at getting reflexives right, uh, but they are delayed in getting pronoun interpretation uh, completely right. And they are often um, at chance uh, with uh, pronouns. So uh, in the case of this example, um, work from Wexler and Chen, um, Cinderella's sister points to herself. Uh, so children have um, uh, considerable, by age six, and in fact considerably younger, are getting these kinds of sentences right. So um, they know that herself refers to, uh, uh, back to Cinderella's sister. Um, but at the same time, the same children, the same sort of ages, uh, Cinderella's sister points to her. Um, this her cannot refer to Cinderella's sister, although it could refer to Cinderella or somebody else. Um, they. Uh, do not perform well on these. They, they seem to be guessing, basically. Even six-year-olds are not doing uh, terribly well on this. Um, and you might say, well, it's something to do with the complication of a phrase like Cinderella's sister, but this is true with much simpler cases as well. So in this example, um, and here the children are given a context. This is Mama Bear, this is Goldilocks. Is Mama Bear touching her? Um, where, uh, again, the problem is uh, that uh, her should not refer to the bear, but to Cinderella or somebody else, but six-year-old, uh, even six-year-olds are saying about half the time, allowing her to refer to the local antecedent, Mama Bear. So this is generally known as the delay of principle B effect. Um, because it's the binding principle that concerns pronouns that children seem to have problems with um, in contrast to the binding principle that governs uh, reflexives. 
And it turns out that this is not just an English phenomenon, um, so it's been observed in many other languages. Um, I won't go through all the, the languages that are listed there. And the other thing that has been observed is that this is a problem that children are showing more in comprehension than in production. So when they're producing pronouns, they do seem to know that uh, if the antecedent is local, it should be a reflexive. And if it's non-local, they use uh, the, the, the ordinary pronoun. What, was, what we've seen already is uh, uh, an interpretation problem when they are asked um, uh, to, the meanings of sentences, they're getting them wrong. Um, there's also another thing that's been observed in uh, first language acquisition, which is that <clears throat> if you look at the sentences in one and two, so mama bear is touching her. This one we saw children have some considerable difficulty with. They think her can refer to mama bear. But the same children asked is, Every bear, uh, if the sentence is, every bear is touching her, uh, they do not have a problem with this. Um, they do not think that this means every bear is touching herself. So with, with a, what's called a quantificational antecedent, they're quite accurate. So here's an example of a, the picture from the same uh, study. Um, these are the bears. This is Goldilocks. Is every bear touching her? Um, they, uh, they know that that is uh, not a possible um, interpretation with every bear touching herself, and they say uh, no. However, <clears throat> the situation is slightly more complicated um, because there are cases even for adult native speakers where you can have a pronoun with its antecedent locally in the same clause. So this is an example from the movie Side Effects, uh, where the psychiatrist says, the patient blamed me, the patient's husband blamed me, even I blamed me, not I blamed myself, right? Even I blamed me. And this is sometimes referred to as accidental co-reference um, and has been much discussed uh, in the literature. So if you think about a pronoun, mostly it requires an antecedent which is somewhat well, outside the same clause, but in these cases, it exceptionally allows a clause internal antecedent. So um, the, the argument has been made, and I mean, this not, not, not um, just from us, and I won't go into the technical details, but the idea is that uh, children, when they're making, they're having these problems with sentences with pronouns, where about 50% of the time they are allowing a local antecedent in the same clause. Um, uh, that for some reason they are uh, perhaps allowing accidental co-reference in contexts where an adult would not do so, um, and this explains why. Uh, they're making that mistake. But you can't have accidental co-reference with a, a quantified antecedent. You can only have it with a, an expression that is truly a, a referring expression. So 
that's why they do better. They don't make that mistake with quantified antecedents. So if we just think about why, um, why would this be happening? Again, I'm simplifying the explanation. Um, but if you think about a sentence like, um, you know, Mama Bear touches her, um, the, in a sense, there's some competing interpretations. You know, shall I, as a child or an adult, but adults don't have this problem, so shall I, as a child, assume this is a normal situation, or is it a situation that allows this accidental linking of a local, uh, a pronoun to a local antecedent? So that, that in a sense, there's a competition as to the possible interpretations, um, which makes the whole uh, sentence with a pronoun uh, more complex to compute, to process, um, uh, allowing children or leading children to pick the wrong interpretation uh, a number of times. And uh, another thing that's relevant to, um, because we're going to be looking at whether adults have that problem, um, another thing that is uh, relevant is that uh, there are certain languages which, with what are called uh, clitic pronouns. Um, these are sort of typical of, for example, uh, romance languages, where the pronoun somehow seems to be um, uh, reduced in strength, does not have the, the, the power and uh, distribution of what are called strong pronouns. And pron children do not have problems with clitic pronouns when acquiring those languages. So they don't show this delay in pronoun interpretation. Um, and this again has been reported for a number of languages that this pronoun simply doesn't occur if you're looking at these so-called clitics. Um, and the suggestion has been made that uh, clitic pronouns are somehow um, more uh, I cannot point to a, 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 an outside referent in the way that a full pronoun does, and so you, you, you don't make this mistake of thinking that a close referent can be referred to. Um, so children learning languages with clitics don't overgeneralize accidental co-reference. And we'll come back to the relevance of that in a moment. Um, so a more uh, recent approach has to this whole problem, why do children um, uh, have a, a delay of principle B, is just to say it's not true that they do. The problem is a methodological artifact, um, uh, un unsuitably constructed tasks for testing the children, um, and various attempts have been made to uh, refine the methodologies, and indeed, when people do that, um, uh, a number of people have managed to show that children don't seem to have a, the problem that had previously been reported. Um, however, another problem has shown up in this more recent work, so the work by Hartman et al. Um, and they looked at English reduced pronouns, um, such as mm in she kissed them. Um, and the assumption is these are somewhat similar to clitics in languages that have true clitics. 
Um, and uh, the idea uh, here is to see whether it makes a difference uh, for children, uh, whether you use in your uh, test items a reduced pronoun like she kissed them or whether you use a full pronoun like she kissed him. Um, and uh, so Hartman et al. compared performance by young children on the two types of pronouns, reduced and full. And their assumption was that the full pronouns would be the ones that would cause children problems, not the reduced pronouns. And that's actually what they found. So if you look at this chart, <clears throat> the column on the left is um, accuracy on full pronouns. So you can see it's only around 50% whereas their accuracy on reduced pronouns is uh, 80%. So they are, for the full pronouns, doing what's been constantly reported in the literature, allowing the pronoun to have uh, uh, an antecedent very close to it, and they don't allow this for the reduced pronouns. So to summarize, um, the, this delay of principal B effect has been reported uh, in children. Uh, what's also been reported is, a, is different, a different behavior depending on the nature of the antecedent and a different behavior depending on the nature of the pronoun. Um, and in fact, both of these results can be explained if children are overusing uh, accidental co-reference. So now I will pass over to uh, Romiana, who will tell us what second language learners might or might not be doing. Uh, so how about L2 learners? We saw that children behave in a very special way. Um, at the beginning, you know, when people started uh, being interested in uh, the acquisition of uh, reflexives and pronouns, it was Lydia's work in a published paper in 98, uh, and she found that Japanese and French learners of English with high intermediate proficiency um, didn't have any problems, right? So they appropriately distinguished between local and non-local antecedents, so they did not actually show any delay in principle B which is as expected, right? We, we do not expect adults to have problems with um, pronouns. However, uh, there were three subjects, one of them uh, francophone and two of the Japanese speakers who consistently accepted local antecedents. So there were individual performances that you know, pointed to some problems. And so here is uh, the group results, these group results, as you can see, uh, the, the local finite, they have to reject it. And uh, the, the Japanese and the French learners are doing that uh, very reliably. Um, not so well for the uh, non-finite local, but still you know, a clear picture of acquisition. Um, now, Montreux, Yoon, and Kim is another study that, and there are very few studies, I have to say, about, uh, on, on the uh, acquisition of pronouns. Uh, Montreux, Yoon, and Kim is, uh, this was a presentation at BU several years ago, 
Um, this is a visual world paradigm eye-tracking study of English with uh, Korean learners of English and, and English native speakers. And this is what the uh, learners saw on the computer display. Uh, they saw uh, animation characters, you know, Goofy, uh, Mickey, and Donald. And they uh, heard the sentence at the bottom of the screen. screen um, and those were the, the, the sentences, the test sentences. Look at Goofy, have Mickey touch either him or Donald, you know, the third possibility, or himself. Okay, so one was the reflexive and the other was the pronoun. And interestingly, as you can see in this slide, the native speakers on the left, as well as the L2 learners, uh, are quick to start looking at the target, at the correct target, when they hear a sentence with a reflexive. So, you know, just visually you can ascertain that the behavior of native speakers and, and uh, L2 learners is pretty similar. But that's not the case for the pronoun. So these are, the, the plotted thing in red is looks at the correct referent when a sentence with a pronoun is heard. And as you can see, the uh, native speakers are uh, deciding where to look at the 800 uh, millisecond while, you know, the L2 uh, learners are basically at sea. They can't make up their mind where to look. And they're looking at this equally at this, um, all possible antecedents. So this was uh, interpreted as, you know, uh, people, uh, in this case, Korean L2 learners of English having trouble with English pronouns, unlike English reflexives, right? So we decided to look at further at referential and quantificational pronouns. And as Lydia explained, you know, this is a very, very interesting research question because now we come to it with more um, newer ideas from linguistic theory and from first language acquisition. And uh, we're eager to see what is happening in uh, second language acquisition. So our predictions were that if the delay of principle be reflects difficulties, as a lot of the literature argues, but specifically Tanya Reinhardt's work over many, many years. If this is due to elevated processing load uh, because of the competition between the normal interpretation, the accidental coreference interpretation, then a similar difficulty would uh, be predicted for non-advanced L2 learners. And that would mean that the reduced pronouns will be handled more accurately than full pronouns. So we expect a, an asymmetry there. Uh, we also expect a quantificational asymmetry for full pronouns. So within the full pronouns, we expect the people to do better with quantificational antecedents, so every bear, versus uh, mama bear, okay, the referential antecedent. And we do not expect that asymmetry to appear in the reduced pronouns. Our goal was to investigate these predictions, and we set out to establish whether learners of English, and we do have French native speakers and Spanish native speakers in our experiment learning English, whether they correctly interpret sentences with reduced and full pronouns bound by referential and quantificational antecedents. 
Our task was very much in keeping with the tasks that were used in the literature because we wanted to compare our results to uh, first language uh, findings. And of course, we had to change the truth value judgment task. It's completely different because you cannot you know, present such stories as uh, stories for children are not appropriate for adults, right? So uh, we created 24 uh, story test sentence combinations. Eight of them had referential antecedents. Eight had quantificational antecedents and eight were fillers. And within each condition, we had four sentences that expected a yes answer and four a no answer. But um, just to cover up methodological concerns in the literature, we do have in each of our stories, we have multiple participants. And that's why the stories are pretty complicated, as you will see. Um, and Each story is compatible with a reflexive construal or reflexive interpretation, as well as pronominal interpretation. Um, the experiments are separated. They're completely separate. So there is experiment one with you know, a bunch of subjects, and then there is experiment two, uh, different subjects um, completely. Tom, Helen, and Harry were going to a soccer party. Prizes were going to be given out for the best spray-painted logo. They all sprayed the logo of their favorite soccer teams on their arms. Tom badly wanted to win the competition, so he asked his friends to help him make his logo even better. Helen refused to help because she wanted to win as well. Harry wanted to help Tom, but he had no spray paint left. This is the reduced pronoun. Harry sprayed him. Now compare that. Harry sprayed him. Jim, Jack, and Bert always drive to college, each of them using his own car. Their friend John doesn't own a car, so Jim, Jack, and Bert all agreed to drive him to school. But this week, on Monday, Jim forgot to pick John up. On Tuesday, Jack overslept and drove to class alone. Only Bert was true to his word and drove John to school on Wednesday. So you will appreciate that this Test sentence is not in the experiment. The, obviously, the, the, the uh, participants are not seeing it. They see the story, so they can read it and spend time understanding it. The story is really complicated and long, and there are many characters. It's important that it has many characters. And they can play it again if they want. There, there is a play button for the story. And then the test sentence is only pronounced because in experiment one, it's the reduced pronoun. And in experiment two, it's the full pronoun. This week, every student drove him to school. This week, every student drove him to school. We are still in the process of testing, uh, and we need more participant in the full pronoun experiment, as you can see. Uh, and uh, we will not attempt any statistical uh, analysis with these numbers, but of course there are uh, clear tendencies in the data that we would like to discuss with you. I, I just want to say that uh, the groups are uh, By level, the, the groups are um, at, at the same level of proficiency. They're comparable level for level. So intermediate learners in experiment one are, have the same proficiency as uh, experiment two and the advanced learners as well. 
So, in this table, uh, we have the general accuracy on uh, reduced versus full pronouns. And as you can see, we will we'll be interested in the accuracy of the intermediate learners mostly because the native uh, speakers and the advanced learners seem to be at ceiling. So 96%, 94%. And accuracy on the fillers for all of the groups is at, it is at ceiling. So already in this uh, table, comparing accuracy on uh, the reduced versus the full pronouns, there is a tendency, right? Intermediate learners are more accurate on the reduced pronouns, which, of course, you have to remember the experiments are absolutely the same. The only difference is uh, the pronunciation of the, the pronoun. Now, this is, of course, the important division of uh, the accuracy data into types of antecedents. And in this table, we are comparing accuracy on reduced and on full pronouns and then subdividing it into referential and quantified antecedents. And this is what you want to be paying attention to. So one thing to notice in that we, as I said, we are not worried so much about the native speakers and the advanced people, but the all important intermediate level. So uh, there is a marked difference, and we hope significant difference between um, the referential antecedents on the reduced pronouns or experiment one and on full pronouns. And that's exactly as we would expect it to be, right? There is also, within the full pronouns, there is uh, better performance on the quantified antecedents, again, as was predicted. Now, we also have a difference between uh, quantified antecedents uh, in, the two pro, uh, in the two experiments, they do better uh, on the reduced pronouns in that type of antecedent as well, and this is unexpected. If it holds, holds up in the data, we will have to you know, think about an explanation for that. Uh, but you know, the, what we expected was the difference 81 versus 70. I would like to just mention the profile of two individual learners. So Ella used to be a, a student of mine. Uh, she has a 23 over 40 proficiency, so intermediate proficiency in English. Uh, and she was 37% accurate on referential antecedents and 62% on quantification antecedents. You have to understand that this is a, a student at Iowa, okay? So she is in an American uh, uh, institution speaking English. Her proficiency was not great, but um, she already uh, has the TOEFL, you know, over whatever level is necessary. And she does not understand pronouns, you know, 37% accuracy. That's pretty low for even for an intermediate learner. So Daniel, another person with the same level of proficiency, is doing better, but still there is this asymmetry, 62% versus 100% uh, referential versus quantific uh, quantificational antecedents. And so the summary of our findings, our main findings, is that we do find a quantificational asymmetry attested in second language acquisition as well as you know, amply documented in first language acquisition. 
Uh, in the second language acquisition, we find it at the intermediate level. So uh, the learners, uh, the quantificational asymmetry means they're better on quantificational antecedents, like every bear, than they are on when the antecedent is mama bear, or in our test sentences, there wasn't a mama bear, but you know that's um, um, the example. They also are more accurate on reduced pronouns, again, similar to the L1 at the intermediate level, and the advanced L2 uh, learners perform like native speakers. So that, those are our findings. Now, as for the interpretation, I told you that as far as we know, um, there aren't too many studies looking at interpretation of pronouns, and no study so far has compared referential and quantified antecedents in second language acquisition. Everyone else working on L2 has compared principal, principles A and B with referential antecedents, including the uh, Kim, Montreux, and Yoon study that I showed you. Um, so the uh, L2ers we found, L2ers we call them, the second language learners like young children have no problems when the antecedent is a quantified expression or have less of a problem regardless of whether the pronoun is reduced or full. Um, this is what, you know, we expected to find and probably, you know, we, we still might find it if we find, if we have more uh, subjects, uh, but definitely when uh, the quantified antecedents and reduced pronouns are included in the study of L2 pronoun reference in English, a different picture emerges from previous accounts. And our um, findings do point to uh, the problem being one of processing capacity. Thus, our findings indirectly support similar accounts of delay of principle B effect in first language acquisition. Now, we were thinking about some pedagogical implications and now that we're here at uh, Department of Education, we would very much like your input uh, on uh, what we are thinking and whether we are on the right track. So, we have uncovered similarities between child first language acquisition and adult L2 development of pronouns. And we think that teachers should be aware that learners might not interpret pronouns correctly even if they produce them, okay? Even if they produce them correctly, like children do, they might not interpret them correctly in comprehension. And we have suggested that a processing bottleneck is at work. In order for that bottleneck to be overcome, classroom exposure and ample practice of object pronouns, we think, is recommended. So exposure, a lot of examples, and, and practice. Now, to summarize the findings again, pronouns with quantified antecedents are easier to interpret correctly, and reduced pronouns are easier to interpret correctly. So both of these findings suggest that classroom input should be realistic, natural, preferably native-like. I mean, 
the teachers should be native-like uh, native speakers. Pronouns should be exemplified in reduced form and presented with a variety of antecedents. And we are thinking here of you know, countries where English is taught by non-native speakers and whether they are capable of producing reduced pronouns. That's actually what helps the learners get into the pronoun interpretation better than full pronouns, right? So that's why we say realistic, natural, uh, preferably native-like, and also exposed to you know, various types of antecedents, because we know that the quantificational antecedents are going to help the learners to interpret better. And uh, finally, um, this is our last slide. I wanted to point to the importance of linguistic theory, and um, actually Vicky started uh, this way, but the importance of linguistic theory uh, and language acquisition comparisons. So since all languages have strong object pronouns, it makes sense that these pronoun, knowledge of pronouns is going to be transferred in the second language, right? So therefore, it is unexpected that intermediate learners of English should have trouble interpreting pronouns, right? Um, and child language research has identified a difficulty with pronoun interpretation. Linguistic theory is able to explain this difficulty. And we think that language teachers should also be aware of this difficulty in development, okay? So that they can take whatever measures they, they see fit. Thank you.